Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments. Mitchell is a thought leader, entrepreneur, and TEDx speaker who helps you think big and lead an authentic life. Each week, Mitchell gives leaders the inspiration they need to make a greater impact and share their genius with the world. Now, here's Mitchell Levy. Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert, and you are in a treat with this episode. It's Stephen Spencer Elliott, and his superpower is focus. He was on the show Grow Your 1099 with Josh Jones and myself, and he is a guy who just built nothing to something almost overnight. But listening to him articulate his vision, how he's going to do it, the steps he's going to make happen, it is spectacular. If you ever find yourself in a position where you're sort of jumping around and throwing all the plates in the air and trying to spin every plate and you just need a dose of focus, listen to this episode. I just did, and I'm marking my calendar to do it again. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our channel, share it with your friends. Look forward to uh, your feedback. Thanks. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Hi, Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy at AHA That. And welcome to another episode of Grow Your 1099 with Josh Jones. Hello, this is Josh. I am the author of 300K at 26 and Don't Knock It Till You Knock It. Hey, um, right, I still, every time you say that, I still love that name. Love it. Absolutely love it. I, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where when, when you hear the name, it just, it just sounds right. Um, by the way, have either of you guys ever watched uh, Frasier, the old TV show? Not often, but yes. Oh, okay. His, his like line is, uh, anytime he, uh, he gets on, he's like, this is Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm listening. He's like a radio psychologist. So I just, I've been feeling like, uh, like Frasier lately just on the show. So. <laughs> okay. So everybody, Steven, I'm listening. No. Um, <laughs> So I wanted to uh, I wanted to introduce uh, Stephen Spencer Elliott um, to everybody. He's um, a special guest today. Who his superpower is laser focus. Um, one of the things that I was I was thinking about just the the first thing I was thinking about with Stephen is um, anybody who who meets Stephen, it is really tough not to like you. Um, you're just an awesome awesome person, incredible personality. Just really just a a happy, fun-loving person to be around, and um, so I'm really excited to have you on the on the show today, Steve. Um, so you. to to get started, we wanted to start by asking you just about about laser focus and what that what that means to you. Yeah, um, excellent. Well, th- thank you. Uh, to me, laser focus is the ability to channel all of your energy, your skills, your talent to position your your life. To put everything into place so the moment you say i'm going to do this it's accomplished barriers that come in front of you they seem either to dissolve or they just become stepping stones um, your weaknesses become strengths your strengths become stronger and what i wanted to talk about while thinking about this was understanding the holistic the overarching uh, vision of what you have and it sounds a little interesting when you say laser because it's so acute but in order to get to that acute angle, you've got to see the big picture first. Oh, and when beautiful. you can do that, what's always been important to me is 
Um, a project that I have right now is, is uh, opening up a territory that's very challenging. There's a lot of red tape. And, and um, however, what I've been able to do is make sure that my wife and family are in order, that they know, hey, I'm going to be working 14 hours a day, six, maybe seven days a week, that uh, church life is good, that my health is good. And so I can get all these big ticket items taken care of. So then whenever I say, okay, I need to get this done at this date and this, and then follow Stephen R. Covey's path of working backwards, it happens and it's happening. And that laser focus comes very acutely, but only after the big ticket items are set in place. Wow. So this is interesting not the most obvious thing in the world in order to be laser focused, you need to know the big picture. Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> because so t- help, help us out a little bit more. So in your understanding of, of which came first, you know, it's like the chicken or egg thing, big picture first, then laser focus or laser focus say, Oh, I need a big picture. Or how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so great question. And I believe it's been a balance. Uh, I mean, the time and season for everything. However, what really came first for me was the big picture. It's to have the canvas in front of me and then see, okay, now what, what am I going to execute on? And it's been a vision that's in my, been in my head ever since I was a kid and um, learning how to play golf. You have an 18 hole golf course. It's huge, but then it's shot by shot, putt by putt. It's understanding the dew point on the day and how is the grass cut? Where's the sun at? And so you, you have all these big ticket items, but then whenever you have that six foot putt, that, that laser focus, I've got to hit it at the right speed in the right area, I can execute it. And in life you see there's so many variables. And the nice thing is life is somewhat constant in the sense that it's always changing and that we can control only so much. Yet if I can put as many big things in, 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 in order, it's like setting up a bunch of buoys, then I can rate the channel and get to where I want to go and have that laser focus on the items that I need to. Mm. I'm drinking this in. <laughs> Josh, you're, you're obviously processing. I see that. I, uh, I was just thinking this, this idea of this mindset seems like an executive mindset seems like really like the the people behind the scenes the leaders of businesses are the ones with that kind of a an attitude so you think about the executive team or the ceo the cfo all these people they have all of the pieces of the puzzle they see the whole picture yeah and then with that they're able to go in and say okay this is a choke point this is an issue let's laser in focus on this and make it so that the whole picture, the whole process goes so much smoother. And so I want to I hear how that specifically relates to, we'll just, we'll just talk about door, door-to-door sales mm-hmm. how, or any, any type of sales for that matter. How can that apply specifically to the day-to-day of a, of a salesperson? Uh, yes, absolutely. And so applying that executive mindset to any sales because I've worked in multiple sales and love the door-to-door world, which is when you look at understanding, okay, well, where's my area, my territory, or who are my prospects? Okay. So you've got to know who am I trying to sell to? Another wonderful item to know is who and what is my competition? Michael Porter of Harvard Business 
actually you can go really deep into that to understand the five competitive forces out there. But I look at my competition every day. It's every other person trying to get the homeowner's attention. It's not just another guy talking about solar or the pest control. It's every other thing going after that homeowner's attention, energy, uh, their, their finances. So when I can see these big picture items, then now I can dial it in and say, okay, well, what is my ideal prospect? Okay, now, now I know my ideal prospect, but what about me? When am I at my best? So when should I be prospecting? And then beyond that, sales is evolutionary. When I started off, as you know, just a couple of months ago, Josh, I had zero pipeline here. And so now my main goal is to have a pipeline of employees, but then also a pipeline of prospects. And so I build that, but then eventually that pipeline becomes so big. Now I'm uh, selling, now I'm progressing accounts while bringing on new accounts. So now I have even more verticals that I'm constantly managing. And the thing is to make sure you give adequate attention to both, but then there's also a seasonality to that, not speaking of our seasonality of weather, but there's a seasonality of, wow, the last two weeks I've knocked a ton of doors or I've, if I'm at a car dealership, I've had a ton of ops, I've done a ton of uh, test drives. So then the next two weeks are what? Probably a ton of follow-up. And then the next two weeks is a ton of uh, closing. And then after that, a lot of nurturing. And so, but along that, you can't ever just let all the other ones completely fall. So it's identifying, well, where do I really need to push and, and in what areas? And that's, I think that's the most difficult thing to see the big picture because it's very easy to, as you said, and that's exactly how I think about it as well, is a CEO or the best salespeople or the best people in life are the ones that can see the furthest into the future or they can see the field. So you think of a, a huge NFL stadium. Most of our reps and most salespeople seem to only keep their nose against the turf and all they say is, all I can see are a couple blades of grass, right? I can only see the next couple deals. They don't see even five yards. But you and I, we're, and, and us, probably most of us on this call that's, that are listening in, that's why we, we, we have a bigger vision, is we're 500 feet above the stadium. I can see the whole field. I can see every seat. In fact, I can see the parking lot. I can see the storm that's about to come. And so if I can see all those pieces, as I'm trying to execute a play, then I can, I'm constantly adjusting in real time. And then the question often is, how do I get that bigger vision, right? A lot of reps say, well, how do I go from only seeing a couple blades of grass to maybe seeing five yards to expanding my aperture to then increasing my vision? And a couple things is you've always got to be continually engaged with continual learning. That's why I'm here is I'm learning. I'm learning from you guys from multiple sets about how to have a podcast, how to develop a book as I'm, I'm trying to write one as well. Um, as and so you're, you're constantly bringing in new knowledge, but then you're learning as well through experience. And that experience helps hone what we believe, or I personally believe, is the highest form of intelligence, and that is your gut. And so if you can really hone that, then I don't have to know every piece. As long as I, 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 I take a snapshot and, uh, of, of the whole field, and I know the scenario, know where we're at, just like right now, I know where I'm at my market, I know where my competitive forces lie. I know where my strengths are, my skill set is, and I know where my team's at. And I have a decent strategy I can execute. And so when you have that big picture, then I, again, going back to that laser focus, I take all the pieces together, I can summarize it, 
And then with my instinct, I can execute. And that's where you start getting that laser acute focus. Seems like that's an 80, an 80, 20 rule where Reynolds principle. Yeah. You've got, you've got the uh, 80% of your success is determined by that 20% of your actions. And it probably, my guess is it, it probably boils down even further where there's this 1% of things that you do that is extremely important. And if you're, if you're doing that on a regular basis, then that's going to have the, the, the highest value impact in your, in your life. And that's what, that's what it feels like. This idea of laser focus is, is, is seeing the whole picture, seeing everything that needs, needs to happen, but then being able to say, Hey, this right here is the highest value. If I do this extremely well, then everything else is going to kind of fall into place. Um, and, and let me get, get to how I learned that is in college, I was trying to do 10 things and I was doing them well, but I was never doing them great. And I had a professor came and he says, and he was uh, an entrepreneur professor. He goes, you've got to in life pick two or three things and that's it. And I'm sorry to break this to you. You're not going to do 20 things great. You need to do just a couple. And following the Pareto's principle, this is before I, I had actually studied that. And then I realized as well, uh, every single day, you need to be willing to do extremely tough things. As you talked about the executives, and crudely, I say, every day I've got to decide who am I going to piss off and who's going to get pissed off the most or least. You've got reps that want your attention. You have church members. You have family. You have friends. You have clients. You have people that you're going to just come across. But then also, on the flip side of that is, who are you going to become great? And how are you going to become great every single moment? I once heard a joke. I don't know if Warren Buffett actually does this, but every day he writes a list of 25 things he needs to get done. And then he crosses off the top 23 or the bottom 23. And then he just chooses those one or two things. That's and great. Love that. The principle of, I have a hundred things to do right now. I have so much clamoring for my attention, but how am I going to block out that noise and then focus on what needs to get done? And what's that next thing? And a book that helped me was The One Thing, How to Achieve Extraordinary Results. But ultimately, it is trial by error. It's the willingness to work 14 or 18 hour days because I realize in life you have multiple learning curves. The only way I found to get through a learning curve faster is to outwork my competition, outwork my peers, outwork my old self from yesterday as well, and then have really good mentors and then establish serious buoy, lines that I will never cross. There's that, uh, that temptation constantly just to give in once. Oh, it's 10 o'clock and you're tired, but you have deliverables on the lines that if you don't deliver today, tomorrow already is booked up. And so then eventually you're just gonna have this big backlog of deliverables. And I think we've all had that, where you just keep putting things off and then eventually the mountain crumbles right on top of you. The idea is how can you push those things away so you can continue to move forward? Dude, that was crazy. Um, let me just, I, we, because you jumped on, I forgot to look. If, you, if there's any way you could increase the camera, because we're chopping the head off. You want to see my hairline? Yeah, yeah. And, that's and, that's uh, a laser focus right there. Oh, and it's worse on me, right? So we're okay. <laughs> um, hey, the, the interesting part. Josh, until you pointed this out, I didn't quite see it, but I now see it. You know, I signed the board of a public company, NASDAQ firm, for, for nine years. And when we were looking at 
acquisitions when we're acquiring companies. Sometimes you acquire for customers, sometimes you acquire for people, sometimes you, you acquire for other things. And oftentimes when we're picking up a company, some of our some of the people that we would pick up that were just these hidden gems were people just like you, right? Because it, it's harder to find people who sort of see the big picture and then do the narrow focus, right? And that's a beautiful thing to see. So for those that are today, they feel like they could be that or they feel like they could help. And your last statement was just, oh, so dead on. Deliver. I mean, what I love, here's what you say. You know what you need to accomplish. You're going to work your butt off to make it happen. Those that are around you, your support system, you're actually asking them for help and acknowledging that, hey, you may not be as around as much. When you tell somebody no, you're going to tell them no in a way they understand it because you're going to say, hey, here are all my priorities. This is why I need to focus over here and not here with you. I get all that. What are some of the, you did mention the word mentor, so that's important too. Give me a couple of things for those who want to, um, if you let me say this, be like you. Um, what are a couple tips that you'd recommend they, that they focus on or think about? Yeah. Um, the, the old saying, you can't manage what you don't measure. So start measuring your life. Manage where your time goes. Manage what time you wake up. Manage. I, I, I've given a training on this and it actually, uh, it was funny um, because everybody remembered it. So that was actually the first time that I did a training that I felt was successful, which was about six years ago, whenever I was involved with this startup, I realized I was underqualified for the role that I had. And either two things were going to happen. I got passed up or I learned quickly. And then I started becoming uh, valuable to the organization. And thank goodness the latter happened. And there was little things though, that I never trained on, but I, I started asking myself, how the heck am I here? How am I doing this? This is amazing. I, we closed on 25 million, then 50 million, then going after a hundred million dollar fund stuff. I never thought two years previous. And when I analyzed it, one thing I, I did was I measured all my time. So a couple of days went by and I realized, dang, it takes me 25 minutes to get ready to shave, to press my shirt, to do that. I was able to compress that down to 11 minutes. So now well, where did I put that extra 14 minutes? And I realized, wow, if I can, reduce my time by over 50% um, in that one category, where else can I compress it by? Oh, well, instead of ordering out for lunch, I can bring lunch. I can bring dinner. Uber Eats to me is a huge blessing. I'll be at a client's house and I'm starving. and I know I have a 30 minute commute. I'll Uber eat it. I'll tell the client, hey, my dinner's being delivered here. So when we're finished with paperwork, I'm just going to grab it, but I'll eat it on my commute. Oh my and God. So I started to realize <laughs> How sorry, sorry, I'm cutting you off. I'm just good. taking a mental break so I can at least process that. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, okay. All right, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I just... yes. And so uh, manage, I mean, you can't manage what you don't measure. So start measuring where's your time going. And then I received a wonderful training one time on energy management. So now where's your energy going? One thing I used to do, every morning I wake up, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. And then I realized every day it's like my cell phone. It starts at a hundred percent battery. I start off with hundred percent energy. I was expending my first 15% on just useless stuff that had zero ROI. And then I was getting these artificial endorphin hits that made me feel accomplished when in reality I had done nothing on the day except for receive some likes and like some stuff. And then I go out and then by five, six o'clock I'm tired. So I was wondering how can I expand my energy into what is my most valuable time of the day is six to nine. And so then once you manage or measure what you can manage, 
on not just the time, but then the energy, and then seek honest and candid feedback. I think that's missing in the world. I wanted to start a counseling service called Blunt. <laughs> and that is, I'm very blunt on myself. Like You are lazy, and that's why you're broke. Not, oh, you're broke because of this or this, and it's their fault. Accept ownership, and then start to have that change, and then build in accountability systems along the way. Darren Hardy talks a lot about that, about having accountability partners. And having those in my own life, one, I'm married to an incredible wife, and that's why I married her is I knew that she would never let me slip below my potential. And then I have friends that have done that as well. And so when you have those accountability partners, then adding that to your own individual accountability, it's going to be very, very tough that you start going beyond the extremes. Now, you'll, get, you'll go from the okay level to the good level, but now to the great level, that requires a level of sacrifice. Sacrifice what most people have, and, and you already know this as well, sitting on a board. I bet there's times when you're tired, maybe you could have gone out and played golf or these other things, but you say, you know what? No, I have an employee or I have a complex problem that I've got to think through. And that's what I used to shift. And so now I look at, all right, in my life, I have five friends. I used to have 50, but those five, the, the qualitative uh, side of those, although the quantitative side went down, the quality went up. Now I have more time and energy to focus on problems that actually give me more fulfillment. And, and so the last thing too is understand that it will always be harder than what you can ever imagine, but it will also be much more fulfilling than you think now when you actually overcome and you accomplish your goal. Talk a little bit, well, I love all this. Talk a little bit more about your, your blunt service. Uh, yes. I, 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 that was an I interesting. Yes. I trialed and aired it with, with some reps where I realized, okay, the, maybe the HR approach of sitting down and saying, hey, tell me how you're doing and, and providing that feedback. So what I started doing is just saying, hey, let's have a breakfast. We're not going to talk about work. I want to talk about you. And I want to be an extremely honest sounding board. And I, I received this practice from my father. He used to always play best case scenario, worst case scenario, somewhere in the middle. And so I would be completely blunt with uh, some of my reps or even friends. Really, I remember one of my friends who had relationship issues. And he kept asking, why do I keep, all these girls are crazy. So I said, let me be so blunt. You're crazy. You have these habits that are asinine. You're doing these foolish things. And so you're attracting exactly what you're putting out. If you start to change that, imagine what you'll attract. And as he started to have this progression, I could see the individuals he was attracting in his life his own physical countenance changed. He became healthier. And then now here's this individual that hikes every Sunday. He fulfills his commitments. He has um, a journal. He's in a very meaningful relationship. And so th th that's what I mean is by having that blunt feedback because we're so easy and readily available to ourselves to justify, you know what? I didn't get that email done because I was tired. I was tired because I was already on the clock for 12 hours. And I think about um, my oldest brother is one of my biggest examples and mentors. I didn't realize the type of brother I had until I heard someone who I had very successful in my life said, you know what? Micah is just built different. He has another gear. So something, a gear went off in my head, which was, how do I find that next gear? I already feel like at 100%, I'm, I'm, I can't give anymore. But then we, we realized that you can always give more. And so the way that I found that was one, wanting it, it all starts with desire. If you don't want it, it just doesn't happen. And then two, 
asking those that are already ahead of you, hey, how'd you get there? And what's amazing is most of the time they'll pull you up. That's something that I've realized. I met a client, he manages a $3 billion hedge fund. At first I was thoroughly intimidated, but then I said, would you mind being my mentor? Just on a couple aspects. Next thing I know, he's emailing me, he's texting me, and he's outpouring this information and this energy that I never thought someone of his caliber would do. And that's something I've learned as well. Dude, you're like this aha minute. It's like, like where do we go? Because I'm it's so many beautiful <laughs> concepts. I I did. There were two points I made before, and I'm glad you reemphasized both. Uh, one was blunt. I, Josh, if you'll notice, that's kind of how I always talk, right? It's, and what happens when you're blunt is you don't make it personal. You just make third party, right? And you speak, if you, if you're listening to Steven, what he does occasionally is he puts himself in third person, right? So it's not him. It's just the situation. And here's his, his, he's the guy who's making that happen. So love that. The thing I want to mention, and maybe it's worth spending a little bit more on mentoring, you know, I'm on, I'm on the radio four or five times a week and, and they say, is there an important life lesson you want to share with everyone? So I'll share it here and then you could talk about how you pick up mentors. My important life lesson <laughs> is if you go through life with one mentor and two mentees, you would just be so much better off. And, and I just love that you ran into this experience where there's somebody you really appreciated and you said, would you mentor me? And he not only said yes, but it came through in spades. Um, people sometimes are afraid to ask, but mentors are very happy to help. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that they, that's where they get their secondary fulfillment. Um, I met a gentleman through trying to sell my car the other day, and he had sold his business for nine figures. So very, very well done. And he goes, you know what, though, for five years, I missed it. And so that's why I'm back here and I'm working on it. And he goes, would you mind if I speak to you about this and I can kind of guide you through what you're going through? Because I told him, hey, I'm new to this company. And actually I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't even ask for a mentor. He's now approaching me because how do any of us feel? And I got this from my mother. She's uh, phenomenal. If she eats something and tries it, you could have just eaten the biggest meal, but she'll say, you have to take this bite because she's so happy with it that she gets that fulfillment by now sharing it with others. And you can read the five languages of love, right? Most of us are givers. But the, the ability though, what I found though, why don't some people want to be mentored? Um, and I think that's because they are afraid of one, that accountability, and maybe they're so content with their current state. Is uh, I, my friend, and you guys were speaking about Shark Tank earlier. So my friend, he actually was on Shark Tank and he talked about an experience he had where this multimillionaire came and spoke about business, very successful at school. And he says, everybody, here's my personal cell phone. Whoever would like to, I'll give you direct one-on-one -on -one time. So he leaves, and at the end of the semester, he emails the professor and says, hey, I'm, I'm really shocked. Nobody from your class, after what I thought was such an engaging conversation, reached out to me. And the professor then was also shocked, thinking, wow, here's a guy that his billables are probably $1,000 an hour for this type of counseling, and he extended it for free, and nobody took advantage of it. I, I realized that in my life. Sometimes I'm afraid to get more. Because also that, that perception of increased potential can also be the, the sharper fall. But it's usually not. The moment you start to reach out, as I said, they will pull you up. Those that are already ahead of you will actually lift you up. And if you do start to slip, now you've increased your support system. 
So you're, it's that much less likely that, uh, that you'll fail. And it's been wonderful in my life to have mentors in what I consider my three categories, which is personal life, uh, my, my, my private life, my public life, so that's also my professional, and then my spiritual. And as I try to keep those three items in harmony and I have mentors in each, it's to me very tough to fail. Joshua, if, if I, I still have questions, so feel free to stop me anytime. Um, Stephen, one of the things that I am a big fan of focusing on is that you mentioned three lives, but it'd be much more harmonious if they were all one. Are you the same person in all three lives? I try to be, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I learned this from living with my brother one i won't name this one uh but i saw when he was with his girlfriend he was such a weird person and it bugged the heck out of me because i'm like where the heck's my brother and then whenever he was with his friends he radically changed and i started asking myself man am i like that when i'm with my clients i'm one person when i'm at church i'm another and i realized no i don't have enough en energy to do that i'm gonna be me and I'm going to be me in every scenario. So at the end of the day, I report to two people now. That's my creator, my wife, and I can always have an honest face and this sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that I was true to who I am. I, and that's one of my, my takeaways as well is we must identify who and what we are. And I started thinking about this whenever I was 11 years old. I started playing golf and this golf professional told me it took me about 10 years to find my swing. I'm thinking, what? I can already swing. You know, I'm hitting golf balls. They don't go straight all the time. What do you mean it took you 10 years to find your swing? And then I started to realize, holy Hannah, it took me 24 years to find out who and what I am, to finally crystallize that. Brands spend billions of dollars collectively to identify what is Nike, who is Nike. And, and I feel like oftentimes we don't take that time to, to decide who and what we are. So as a result, we, put, we become a product of who and what our situations are or the opinions of others. Um, but I, I, I am that same person to probably 95% of a degree. I mean, it changes when I'm at church, I'm a little bit more somber, a little bit more serious. Um, when I'm in front of the board or, or a boss, you know, I am more, but even with my own clients, I make funny jokes. I text emojis to everybody. And I want everybody to have that sense of happiness because I've lived a life and been blessed with so many experiences that if I'm not happy all the time, it is my fault. It is not anything else. And so I want to be true to that character. And I love people that are genuine because then you know what you can get day in and day out. And in a world that's constantly evolving, that consistency, there's actually uh, real security and value in that. Uh, Josh, man. I'm telling you, thank you for bringing, introducing me and our audience to Stephen. I mean, this is like through the roof, cool stuff. I, I, I mean, I, I can't even believe we're, we've been online for 30 minutes. So we, we're like, we're like <laughs> <Let it fly. laughs> I, I mean, no, time always flies. It's just, dude, I'd like to extend this for like another couple hours. I mean, this is, uh, we're going to have to have you come back and do more. Um, so this is, this is definitely fun. One, one, one takeaway. I just, I want to rewind like 20 minutes to something that I, that I heard that you said that it's still like, just keeps, it just keeps coming back to me. You were talking about again, practical application to somebody who's, who's out there working, who's selling is take a step back, looking at the big picture and 
you mentioned looking at competition as, as one of those pieces. And you mentioned that you need to see, like, I'm not necessarily competing with another company that's selling my exact same product. Like that's, it's, it's who is taking up this customer's time. And I feel, I feel like uh, Clayton Christensen in his yeah. book, it was at the innovators dilemma talks about that talks about milkshakes and it's uh, <laughs> making the perfect milkshake. Yep. And um, I, uh, I was thinking about like just the other day, I think it was yesterday. I had a customer who my competition was a case full of beer. <laughs> like that was like I could, I could see it in their eyes. I could see them just like, like almost salivating, looking at this this just case of beer. And it was like, I really want to get to that right now. That's that's like on my mind. And like I just I I knew in my mind I have to be as quick as possible so that they can get to what they're what they're wanting, what their their desire is. But there's just so many things in life like that that you don't even recognize if you don't take a step back and look at the bigger picture look at your customer as a human as a as a person who has a life just like you do has stresses has you know things that they enjoy doing things things that just give them fulfillment you need to take a step back and try to make the process for them as simple as possible be as direct as possible and, and give them the same kind of experience that you would expect to have. And, and can I add to that as well? Because Clint Christensen also during that study, it was identifying the jobs to be done. Yes. Right. And so what was the milkshake's job? It was the goal, as you said, plum, and then give them that 45 minute satisfaction while they're on their commute. And during their study, the guy that ate donuts was like, don't tell my wife. Uh, the, the one gentleman that ate a banana said they stink because it takes five minutes to eat and then you're hungry in 10 minutes. So when you take that big step, that's the big picture, right? And so that's where, where you're, you're understanding uh, the purpose. But then the job to be done, your job to be done at that moment was to get them to go solar, was to get them to sign, then to be committed. So that's that laser focus. So when I walk into a home, we're all trained to do this. When you walk in, you're looking at everything. Oh, marriage certificate, 1974. Now I know when they were married. Okay. Now that gives me a barometer. Oh, kids. How many grandkids? Oh, color of furniture, type of material of furniture, stains. I mean, you take it all in. And then now I, I can pretty much after doing this a while, you hear the 10,000 hour rule. I hit that last year in direct sales on my 10,000th hour. So jokingly, I'm like, hey, I'm an expert, but really I still feel like I'm, I'm brand new every day. However, you, you, you take all that in, but then I know my job to be done. Like last night, I, I had my day yesterday that started at 8.30 and I had an eight o'clock appointment. So already I'm, I'm running on fumes. And uh, crazy home, four daughters coming in and out. My ADHD is kicking in as one daughter's playing a guitar lesson in the background. The other's watching some news and I'm trying to figure out, do I like that song? But what the heck is Trump doing now in Korea? Oh, wait, I've got paperwork right in front of me. And that's when everything kind of zooms right in. And as I'm speaking with the customer, I aligned everything in his situation to the job that had to be done. And those that can do that more consistently, they create more value as what Mitchell was saying, not for themselves. If I thought about myself all the time, then I'd probably be homeless. My number one thought is how can I add value to the client and then to the company? 
And it brings me back to a story that really made an impact in my professional life where I read, I think it was Dale Carnegie, where he interviewed um, two individuals that worked at a railroad. And after 25 years, uh, when they started at the same time, one was still laying track and one was the CEO for the railroad. And they were <laughs> interviewed. And the reporter goes, so uh, you guys started off best friends 25 years later, what's up? And I'm sure they didn't say it like that back in the 20s. But uh, the CEO kind of clears his throat and he goes, well, 25 years ago, he came to work for a paycheck and I came to work for the railroad. And I recognized long time ago, thank goodness, I was blessed to have this aha moment that I can make a lot of money in a lot of different ways. But where I can make money and add lasting value and shared value across many fronts is if I open up my own mental aperture and say, am I working just for a paycheck and to pay the bills or I'm working to create a legacy? And how is that legacy gonna live in perpetuity? And as I start to do that, each one of my actions, I think not just what this action is gonna do, but then what are the subsequent three to five actions? It's almost like a constant chess game. You're thinking three to five moves ahead. Start thinking like that in life and in sales, you'll close more deals, you'll be more satisfied. And then next thing you know, as Steve Jobs said, is you'll actually start to be able to will life. You can say, I want this car. I want this home. I want this marriage. I want this degree. And then it starts happening. And then you actually have that life by design, not by default. And then it, it's very fulfilling. It's, it's really fun experience. And then that's what I mentioned is it's a lot harder to do that than you'll ever imagine. But on the flip side, once you actually accomplish it, the joy is also much greater than you could have imagined. I love that thought. I think, I think that is a perfect, I, I think that's a perfect concluding thought, but I know there, I know there's, there's more that, um, cause we've, we've come to the end of, end of our time. Um, I, I want to hear what, what is it that we didn't ask you that we should have asked you? Um, maybe how do I feel all the time doing this? And the honesty I think comes from when I read a quote by Elon Musk about a startup where he said, it's like chewing on glass and drowning at the same time. <laughs> and yet for him to describe something like that, that sounds so toxic and scary, but what does he keep doing every single day? The next one. Forward. Because it goes from a job to a calling, just as we're speaking, I have this feeling in me that uh, even at home, we joke around, my wife and I, that there's a rule that after 10 o'clock, I can't do two things. It's eat spicy food and talk about work. Because one gives me a bellyache and one gets me so excited that I'm up till three. I'm constantly engaged. Well, see, I'm normally up I, to about three, so I don't have the 10 o'clock rule. I was trying to think about, can I deploy that one? Spicy food, well, I got that. <laughs> it's, it's now around midnight or 1 a.m., taking a 12 credits, you know, launching a market, growing a family, all of that. But, but that's really um, just how do I feel doing all of this? I feel engaged, and I feel thrilled. I feel blessed, and I also feel that anybody can do it. It is very cliche when they say, I'm no different. I'm not, right? I'm five foot six. I'm 130 pounds soaking wet. Uh, my IQ is not uh, maybe even in the triple digits, yet there's something that is in me that there's this feeling that you can keep going. And as you keep going, 
anything I want will be accomplished. Just be patient. But as Seth Godin says, be patiently impatient. So keep going. Mm. I'm just crazy salivating. Um, Steven, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to do that? Uh, text is always best. Uh, I, I, I aggregate them all and then I try to get back to them as, 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 as I can. Um, or there's Facebook, there's Instagram. Um, but yeah, my cell phone number, uh, is it, is it okay to share on this? If you, if you'd like to, you certainly can. Sure. It's uh, area code 801-819-6888. And that's 801-819-6888. Perfect. Beautiful. And, uh, if you, if you'd like to reach out to me, um, my email is going to be the best. It's, uh, Joshua Hutchins Jones at gmail.com. And, uh, Mitchell doesn't like it when I share this, but my Instagram, my Instagram is, uh, chocolate milk shaken, not stirred. <laughs> and, uh, Mitchell, how can we, uh, how can we reach out to you? If we want yeah. To well, well, first I just, for those that stuck to the end, we, we, we doubled our normal time, but it was, it was a beautiful time for, for us to hear this. Um, Stephen, when I heard your superpower, I was kind of thinking, ah, it's interesting, but you have a really beautiful view in business. I would, I'd love to interact with you in any project. You're the type of worker that we all would like to have be part of our organizations. And when I say that, to me, there's no difference between work, play, friends, all that. I'm the same guy everywhere. So, so it's like, you're the type of person I want in my life because I want to see, grow, learn, uh, teach, right? It's when you, when you have, that's why I say uh, a mentor, two mentees, when you have the opportunity to, to share and grow, it's both ways, always, regardless of what you're doing. And so anyhow, I am honored to have the pleasant surprise to be able to interact with you uh, for this period of time. I just, I just thought I'd say from my heart. I am blown away. I'm going to just blown away, right? Um, and so for those that want to reach out for me and are interested in, uh, oh, we should say, if you're interested in this show, it's aha.pub slash grow your 1099. I'll include the URL. So aha.pub slash grow your 1099. And for me, uh, best thing is to Google my name, Mitchell Levy, and connect to me on the platform that you want to connect on. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google+, Instagram, Snap, Play at the place that feels comfortable for you, and I'll try to meet you there. And, uh, and, and same sort of thing. I'll, what, what you hear often is when people on the show, the type of people we have, they're actually going to say, please reach out. And so, you know, please do reach out, whether it's a text, you, the magic word text to Stephen. So do the text. For me, connect to me on a platform and ask the question. And we will give you the appropriate response uh, and help you if we can or point you in the right direction. You know, guys, I was just, I don't know what to say. I'm excited. I'm blown away. This is a phenomenal show. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. This is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grow Your 1099, where Josh Jones and I are helping to propel the door-to-door sales industry as one that's a great occupation. To learn more about Grow Your 1099, go to http colon slash slash aha.pub slash grow your 1099. 
And to learn more about creating and sharing your aha moments, go to ahathat.com slash author, where you can also find a link to book strategy session. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>